you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Quit the small talk. (laughs) Indeed, quit it. Don't eat it. Don't want it. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. Come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, we are T-minus seven days away from the 2021 NFL Draft. Uh, Greg, you, a little bit of a sneaky humble brag right before we started, uh, mentioned that every year you like to do a hardcore cram sesh, uh, just chewing up tape like a true true tape dog. I, on the other hand, like to go the route of just see whoever's mock drafts I respect and then base my analysis on where those guys put certain players and then once the NFL starts, then I can plug in in a real way. I, I, there's no way to fake it. I mean, but I respect that you do it, Greg, but it's, it's kind of like in school cramming for a chemistry final that if you didn't pay attention all year, you're not really going to be able to soak in the information in a way that makes you successful. Yay or nay. Yay. Because the difference between someone faking it and not is yeah. Almost indistinguishable. Most, most (laughs) of the people talking about the draft are faking it, but it does. It gives you like a little bit of fire beneath your Joe Mixon tape. For instance, I remember I watched Joe Mixon. I was like, wow, I, this Joe Mixon guy. Okay. He's got some problems, but my God, can he run the ball? And so you got a little extra fire, but you could fake that too. If you really wanted to. Of all the examples, Joe Mixon, considering his (laughs) pre-draft buzz. I, you Very know what though? I, I gotta say, I was right. Be careful. I mean, he's he's a. I was right that he is a great running ah. player, running back. You, you mentioned mm-hmm. about cramming for a test. Uh, am I the only one that like? Um, I've been having horrible dreams for some reason, but like, dr- I still have dreams where I am, in, you know, walking towards like a college math class where I suddenly realize I have a final and I've not been to even been to the class. Um, in three or four months and like all fortunes are about to get completely ripped away if I don't ace this thing um, and then the dream ends hmm that's a common one I, I doesn't it feel good though I every once in no, a while it just, it I, feels I'll have horrible. a dream I'll have a dream like that or it'll occur to me oh isn't it nice that we never have to study for a test ever again or have that sort of stress so you should just like yeah. appreciate it it's nice and I'll and I'll say although it, it you know, you, you pay for it with a lot of internal mental anguish in the moment. When you make a list of the sneaky best feelings in life, waking up from a nightmare Ooh. and then realizing none of that was happening, and then you go back to sleep, that's right near the top of the list. It, it, it is special. That's I nice. had one last night where I was in an airport and there was all sorts of chaos. I couldn't find my wallet. And so I couldn't board the plane with the rest of my family. And I was lying on the floor with all these people being inspected by the government. And then I woke up and I was like, my wallet's on the mantle in our house. This is amazing. <laughs> so much for quit it with the small talk, you know. Yeah, that's true. Money. That's true. By the way, the, the inverse um, of what I just explained is when you're having like a, a lovely dream. Like mm. if, you, if you remember like yeah. uh, you were dreaming about 
uh, you were dating your high school crush and you're 17 and then you wake up and you're terribly alone and you have acne <laughs> and you know nobody likes you like that there's there is the flip side as well but uh, i like to focus on the positives in 2021 this is the around the nfl podcast i wasn't a sad and alone person in high school by the way i wasn't one of those people but didn't really figure out anything until college and post. Well, you saved yourself at the end. I was a little worried that you woke up from this dream where you wish you were with your high school girlfriend, and then you woke up and you realized, oh, I'm next to my wife and and my kids are. In the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those dreams exist too. Past flames uh, pop up for the first time in eleven years, but it doesn't sure. mean that I'm questioning anything. Mark has these dreams all the time, and this moment, if you're listening, yeah, uh, happy uh, birthday. They're yes. about freedom, and no, you're right. It is my wife's birthday tomorrow, so. We don't need to dig deeper into that topic necessarily. All right. Today's show, uh, we're going to catch up on some pre-draft news. And uh, then we're going to do something we haven't done in a while, which is hit the mailbag and uh, give the listeners a chance to interface with us, the quote-unquote heroes. What a joke. Call ourselves heroes. The real heroes are out there, up on the lattice, putting out fires, and in the military. You ain't heroes. That's a great tweet to get every once in a while. How about you relax? You know, how about you you just have a little bit of a sense of humor about life? Okay. Let's do some There news. is something uncomfortable, oh. though, when, when like, Siciliano or, or any really host, like, welcomes us as a group right. as heroes. Like, I like it when we call ourselves it, that word. Right. I mean, the other side of that is, Greg, you're almost always uncomfortable, so. No, that's just <laughs> <laughs> Brand is strong. Let's do some news. Talk is cheap, motherfucker. Is it random that DMX is uh, our intro into the news? Yes, it's random. But I wanted to touch on him real quickly because uh, in the pre-show prep today, um, I was thinking about the Steelers' uh, quarterback depth chart. A little teaser for the mailbag later. And uh, for some reason, it made me the thing that came, flashed in my mind was it's dark and hell is hot. Um, and um, rest in peace, DMX. And I just want to say, like, DMX was he's he falls under the category of whether it's like a celebrity, a musician, usually for me, but sometimes an actor um, where they die. And then I'm like, oh, I really did like that person. I wish I appreciated them more before. They died because if you were a, a person of a certain age, and uh, Greg, you and I are very close in age. Mark, you're in the ballpark. Um, it's a big ballpark. It's like old Yankee Stadium when Deep they put Monument field. Park in center right. field. Uh, but like it, DMX filled a certain level of like when you're a teen, a late teen, high school, college, and you have that aggression inside you. And if if you're our age, um, it was either DMX. Or like Limp Biscuit, and they toured Warren. together. That was a tour. That was the, they. They were like co-headliners on and a that's, tour. I remember, and that's synergy that makes sense. But I was never about any of that aggro rap rock stuff. I hated that stuff so much. But DMX, when he was going nuts and, and the stuff that he was talking about, I'd always connected with me. I, you know, he crossed lines, black, white, whatever. Uh, you understood the rage within DMX because some of us. And all of us have it to a certain extent. He changed the game. You know, Taylor Swift taking a 
page out of his notebook. I don't remember anyone else dropping two number one albums in the same year. That was like, it kind of blew people's mind that he, he came out out of nowhere. It was like the number one album in the country. And then like seven months later, did it again. It's like, I feel like people do that all the time now. I mean, I, you're acting like my equivalent was like Desi Arnaz. So I don't know how to get into this conversation, but I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, I would say maybe win, like win, win, Toad the Wet Sprocket, perhaps. Or I could not stand that band, but 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 in that but at that time period had other bands that would fit the the bill to some degree. I was gonna ask as a follow up, Greg, because as everyone knows, uh, Greg likes rap. Um, sometimes you you act about you talk about your your Tulane uh, education as being in this bubble where it's like all like dirty South and you don't even know. Uh, what Fountains of Wayne was, and you were so just like steeped in that culture. DMX made it down there, you're saying. Because he was he's from Yonkers, which is on the other side of the TZ Bridge where I grew up. He was huge in the Northeast, and I think the whole country. But did it make it down there? Yes. Did it crack he the would, bubble? He may be not as dominant, but he did, yes. There was a bit of a South South uh, versus the New York type of thing, so they didn't give him all the love that he should have gotten. Hmm, interesting. All right, let's get into it. Let's do some news. Let's start. With uh, rule changes made in the NFL, they go into effect uh, starting in the 2020 season. We kind of went over this um, when they a lot of them were proposed, but just so everyone knows, um, there's been changes to a, well, relaxation of rules for the numbers that certain players can wear at certain positions. That's a big one. Everybody's pumped up about that. Running backs, wide receivers, Tight ends, defensive backs, and linebackers can all wear numbers in the single digits now if they choose. Um, the only person who's really getting banged here, offensive linemen are still locked into the old days uh, on this one. Um, Tom Brady on social media, and we never know if Tom Brady is actually running his own social media or whatever, but uh, he was all fired up about it. Couldn't tell if he was being a jokester or what. But Mark, do you have any takes on uh, more uh, fluidity in the numbers choosing game in the NFL? <laughs> Well, I would just um, comment on Brady real quick that he put out a second um, uh, diatribe where he said, why not let the linemen wear whatever they want to? Why have numbers, just have colored jerseys? Why not wear the same numbers, dot, 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 dumb, at NFL, at NFLPA, and then above it all, in in massive type font, dumb again. So I don't um, view <laughs> that to be joking, yeah. like some social media goon necessarily. Is Tom drunk again? Is he throwing I don't know. Around? I'm not sure what's going on there. He seems fired up, but... I don't, you know, I'd love to hear a player's perspective on why that would matter. I mean, if you're if you're an off offensive guy trying to figure out who to block and call protections, I don't see a huge change here other than the fact that, like, for me, um, visually, like, if a linebacker were number two, I find that to be disorienting. Um, but on the offensive side also, like, I just wish they would change the quarterbacks and allow it to be more than 1 to 19. I, I guess that's anti-traditional, but I'd like to have a quarterback that's, like, 96. Ew. Uh, see, well, so that one, to me, that grosses me out. That what if it was like a big, turns like a my big, stomach. a thick, like T H I C C, big-bodied quarterback that needed, like, kind of <laughs> needed two two eights to kind of show how big he was. I don't know. Like, if my if Zach Wilson came into the league and he if he was number twenty six, I'd be like, no, this guy's he'll out of the like, league in three he'll years. Be like one, he is very slight. He's not, not double numbering him. I mean, Brady. <laughs> I, I'm amazed how fired up Brady is. Who's that was an absurd like... uh, explanation why Zach Wilson would only have a number in the single digits. But go on, Greg. It's I mean Brady's worried about like recognizing where pressure is coming from and whether they're linebackers, defensive linemen, and all this stuff. It's like okay, fine, buddy. Like f fans like it. 
every rule that's been made since Tom Brady's come in the league and for the you know 10 years before that was to help the offense and quarterback. So maybe this hurts just a tiny bit for people like Brady who are next level um, in terms of identifying people. But one thing I want to point out with this rule is it doesn't totally go into effect this year for players that want to wear these numbers this year that had a different number last year. They have to buy out the NFL's inventory of that number. And that's like a lot of money, especially I think if it's like a big player where like a lot of jerseys have been printed, if it's kind of a no name, it might not make that big of a deal. Uh, But this is what happened when Ocho Cinco wanted to change his number and he made pretty good money in his career and he didn't want to do it because it was too much money. So he had to wait the year. So it might be. Uh, one year from now when you see the, the deluge of, of changes. That's sneaky. Hmm. Yeah. Another rule change. Approved a one-year experiment in an attempt to make it easier to recover onside kicks. In 2021, the receiving team on kickoffs will be limited to nine players within 25 yards of the ball. Only three of 67 onside kicks uh, were recovered last season, which, you know, that means it's broken. And uh, the Eagles... Um, had been had proposed that teams be given an option to gain 15 yards on one offensive play from their own 25, as you remember, um, to retain possession after a score. That's not happening, but they're trying to maybe even things out while not making the game more dangerous. It's stupid. I want to add this fourth and 15 thing. Let's try moving up. It, I hear that a lot. It's like, oh, they've made the onside kick so boring. And it's like, I don't know. Is the onside kick that big of a deal that we need to save it? How about we just mix it up for a year and see? I bet people would love the fourth and fifteen thing. I bet people would go nuts for it, and they never, they would never be able to take it away. I'd I'd at least say, like, if you're gonna, you know, put us through preseason games, employ all these rules in the preseason, and almost like urge teams to try it just to see what the response is, how it looks, how it feels. And finally, they did make um, some replay modifications. Um, Owners rejected. Uh, more hardcore proposals for a full-time sky judge. Um, The Ravens had called for a full-time booth umpire, but the owners uh, instead decided to give existing replay officials who sit in the press box of each stadium, the authority to consult with referees on certain quote, specific objective aspects of a play when clear and obvious video evidence is present. According to the language of the rule, I read somewhere that this was already happening informally, exactly, uh, which is a little weird and strange when you talk about competitive balance and all that. Um, but uh, now it's something you can do within the letter of the law. Right. Don't you remember last year, there would be those really bad calls that like Romo would talk about for 20 seconds and then like everything would just right. kind of slow down and then he'd be like, oh, actually they are, you know, throwing <laughs> the flag. And then that, that was it. Like it was, you could tell it was sort of happening. I like that because... anything that actually avoids the official review process, but like quickly changes obvious calls. Like this is something that would make our friend Chris Wesseling happy. Uh, That, that makes sense to me. Like, I I don't know why they don't just put them in their ear the whole time and let them talk to it. What's the big deal? But I think they're getting there. I mean, like sky judge just found sounds very old Testament to me. Um, (laughs) You know, we, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind someone with the authority just to say, you got, look at your humans, you've got this wrong. Um, I see something you don't see. Let's correct this. But hey, Mark, yeah. save it for the theology podcast. In other <laughs> a news, a lot of Eagle... material put into that pot at this point. By the way, Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni refuses to name Jalen Hurts as 
the team's starter in week one. He says there will be a quarterback competition. People are going nuts. Let's hear it from Sirianni himself. To name any starters at this particular time, I just we've been working with these guys for two days, right? We've been working with these guys for two days. My biggest thing is competition. It's Again, we've talked a little bit about my core values. It's my second core value. It's this team's second core value. Competition's a huge thing, um, and we're going to have competition at every position. When are people going to stop getting so fired up about these type of quotes? Like I, I saw some talking head. I, he'll go unnamed because he's a little close to the family, if you will. Just like teeing off on Sirianni as being an absolute fool uh, for even going down this road. And it's like, I get it. You're looking to fill uh, camera time and and go viral and all that stuff. But like ultimately, it's you that looks like a fool because this is what head coaches say all the time. And there's a very good chance Jalen Hurts is starting over Joe Flacco. It's almost, it's definitely happening, you would think, but he's not going to say that because head coaches don't like saying that stuff. Calm down. It's a, a reminder, too. There are some teams in facilities this week. So I guess football is back. That's another time we can we can start saying football is back. The Patriots, I think, are, are in their facilities <laughs> somewhat. I, um, I also do think, though, there's a chance the Eagles add someone to this competition. Not that that's why he said this, but whether it's a rookie or like a Teddy Bridgewater, if he becomes cheap enough or Here something like it just wouldn't, su- it just wouldn't right. surprise well, me. Just that give they- it a break. Just give I'm it a saying rest just someone Teddy. that I'm just saying they might add someone. You never know. I, well, I draft, agree with you on that. In the draft. And I mean, um, go ahead, Mark. I would just say this though. Like I, I, I find it a bit tiresome that he's getting killed because it is coach speak. But if you get to the end of this journey um, into August and we're treating the preseason as a true competition between Joe Flacco and Jalen Hurts. I mean, people in Philadelphia are going to like crescendo their cars off the interstate into total darkness. It's just unmarketable. So just at some point, get real with it. This is your quarterback. You traded Carson Wentz. Just a bit of sense along with the I think the he is being real it. about it, though, because he's a head coach and coaches think a certain way and he views it's his first training camp. He wants it to be a competition and he's got this. He doesn't really know these guys. I mean... And here's the other quote that everyone's killing Sirianni for. Hit it, Ricky. I think some of you guys are wondering, like, what game? We didn't go earth-shattering on these games, right? I played a couple of them at rock, paper, scissors, right? That was as easy as that. Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. I'm competitive. I'm going to be talking trash to him. Did you talk trash back to me, right? Uh, that is in reference to uh, speaking with some draft prospects about uh, just trying to figure out their competitive fire or whatever. Uh, he also got killed for that. I will say this for Sirianni. He's in a very tough spot. I, I think you have to go back to maybe Jim Tomsula. The last time I felt like a coach took a job and already had his back against the wall where the fan base was not feeling it and the organization felt like it was in flux and nothing felt like it was set up well for him. Uh, that's how I feel about Nick Sirianni because it just seems like there's a target on his back already. Hmm. Well, I would, I, no, I think I appreciate that you are cutting against the grain to kind of uh, lift him up and, 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 you know, take some of the heat that he's taking, you know, consistently away. But there's uh, just me. Uh, there's something about his sort of overall presentation that leaves me um, a little something to be desired there. But, I, but I'm willing, but you, you know what? Let's just, that's not his job entirely. Let's see how it goes come game time. Plus, he's right. Like, there's nothing quite like talking during uh, rock paper scissors you're just like yeah bitch. you know what's up i just got your i just got your your rock like who <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> it's like yeah motherfucker. i just 
smashed your uh, scissors. That's like you the players on like what? a tape, a two second tape delay. You know, rock paper scissors is not the right. Game if you that. if you actually watch this, and I think this podcast will also be up on YouTube, you could see the exact moment where Greg deliberates whether to bail on his bit. It was it was a nice little <laughs> moment there. Um, I enjoyed. It. I was always an odds and evens guy because I don't know rock paper scissors. Something with my brain had always confused me a little bit. As simple as it is, so I was just no. Let's do odds and evens. Odds and evens. Shoot. Let's fly. They're not drafting you. No. Like Dan no, no. just sits there dumbfounded. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. I can't handle this. <laughs> Uh, hit me up on Twitter if you found rock, paper, scissors a little bit confusing. Uh, in other news, the Steelers signed head coach Mike Tomlin. Actually, don't hit me up on Twitter. I don't care. Uh, Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin signs a three-year extension with Pittsburgh. 49 years old. Signed now through 2024. Uh, <laughs> the Steelers, I love this stat. It's my favorite um, kind of NFL fun fact that the Steelers, if he stays through the end of this deal, will have had three head coaches in over 55 years. How many head coaches have there been for the Jets and Browns, Mark, since we started this podcast? Seven? 52. Eight? <laughs> I don't know. Like triple this amount? So anyway, Tomlin's still there. And uh, and I guess you could say, oh, but what about the meltdown at the end of last season? And sure, uh, Greg, you can kind of get... I know where Mark is on the Steelers, so I want to hear from Greg on this first. Um, but do you think it's it's smart for the Steelers to... Just stay in business with Tomlin no matter what. Do you think this brings a level of calm to an organization that maybe is still a little rocked by what happened at the end of the year? I do just because it's a different way to approach things. And he's won more games in his first 14 seasons than any NFL coach in history. It's pretty good. He's he's never had a losing season. So I, I think stability has a lot to be said for it. And he's delivered. I know they haven't always won in the playoffs, but they, he has a 650 winning percentage. It's just like, I don't, I, I do like the idea that coaching shouldn't be, you have to win a, like a playoff game or two every other year, or you lose your job. When I, and you know, I have been tough on the steel. I've had my fun with the Steelers, but when it comes to Mike Tomlin, um, to me, he is like the total alpha male. Um, he has weathered all storms in Pittsburgh. I know that, you know, there are certain Steelers fans that get agitated with him, but it, the grass is always greener. I mean, he he has basically been um, as good as Bill Cowher, and he's not far away from sur- surpassing Bill Cowher in wins. So I don't in know what years, else. What, in years, too. It really puts it into right. perspective that this year he'll match Bill Cowher uh, in terms of just the tenure that Cowher had. Yeah, I'm trying to think where I would put Tomlin in my coach power rankings. If he's not top five, I would say he's probably top seven. Uh, I think those, top five. I do yeah, personally. Those are guys you want to keep the, in the building. Yep. Um, in retirement news, Jordan Reed. See you later, buddy. The third round pick back in 2013. Always um, skillful uh, as a pass catching tight end, but always dealing with injuries, um, more specifically head injuries. And that uh, history of concussions is really the reason why he's stepping away from the game. He missed 53 games over his eight seasons, so he heads into retirement at the age of 30. Sometimes these guys take a year off and they come back, and he's certainly young enough to do that, Mark. But at the same time, um, you totally understand where he's coming from here, trying to protect himself for the next 50, 60 years of his life. Yeah, I mean, one of these total what-if careers, because you look back on like what he did in 2015 when he was like a total fantasy stud, um, 11 touchdowns, 87 catches, one of the best playmaking tight ends around and it's the concussions and it, there was other injuries too. But I, 
part of me was just like with these guys that have multiple head injuries like why are they why did he come back even last season i'm sure there was like a competitive fire but you just worry uh, you know there's just there's too much murky um and and known evidence about what these can lead to in life and so you know i'm kind of happy for him to see him part ways with the game finally in the he was part of the sea change at the at in terms of just concussions. Like he came along at the time when people when the league started taking it more seriously. I think of him and Brandon Stokely as two of the guys sort of most affected by the changes. Uh, and finally, in the news, here's a uh, report from Rap Sheet. Earlier this week, the Giants are slated to pick number eleven in the NFL draft, and trading back is already something they are internally. Considering on oh hit it hit the trope alert Ricky, that spot will have real value. Ian writes, how rare would a trade down be? Dave Gettleman has never traded down in the first round in eight drafts as a GM. Let's hear from Gettleman himself. Nobody believes him. It's become a bit of a uh, trope itself. uh, Having discussions about uh, Dave Gettleman not trading, Um, the discussions of the trope has become a trope. It's pretty hardcore. Let's hear from Gettleman. Uh, had a great line. NASCAR will have right, tr- right turns before DG trades back. I think <laughs> it's a hell of a line. Had a good laugh. I, I honest, it, honest, I've tried to trade back, but it, it's going to be value. I'm not getting fleeced. I, I refuse to do it. <laughs> and if you know somebody wants to make a bad trade back, God bless them. And, but you know, we've had opportunities I've tried. You have to understand, like, first of all, he that was Daniel Jeremiah, said DJ at the uh, beginning of that clip, uh, who made the NASCAR uh, joke. Uh, it's a solid one. And Gettleman, if, if you didn't see this press conference, is wearing a button-down shirt and, like, a grandpa cardigan buttoned up over the shirt. It was a and, vest, though. It's a sweater vest. It's cardigan, a sweater vest. You don't see that too often. And it's just like, and it's, this is, you know, I don't want to like overstate it, but sometimes it just feels like the Giants have a GM that's playing checkers while other GMs are playing chess. Mm. And when he answers these certain questions this way, you just wonder if he's looking at the the sport and the the, the game that he plays within the sport in a competitive way uh, when compared to other guys in the game. Well, what do we have to look at other than his track record, which is, you know, there have been 55 selections over eight years and he's never traded down once. So it's like, I know I think this thing about not getting fleeced this year does feel a little bit different because if you look at the Dolphins Niners trade, if you want to climb up even just, you know, a third of the draft, like the cost right now is high and you're going to be measured against that Niners trade to some degree. I mean, each of these deals are a little bit different, but, you know, he's going to have to get something that can't just get henpecked by the Mm. New York media if he doesn't get great value. So maybe there aren't those deals out there. Maybe he's playing chess, though, and, and sweater vests are coming back, and he's ahead of it. I mean, I just saw this whole thing. Uh, you know, the baggy jeans are coming back now. That's mid-'90s. Gettleman. Where did, where did you th- There see was that, a Greg? decent amount of sweater vests. It was like some New York Times like style. I was like, give me a break. Uh, but that, uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe the sweater vests also coming back because they had a moment there. They had a moment about 30 years ago. That's usually the cycle, 30 years. And by the way, he is of grandfather age. It's not like, you know, a, a millennial wearing a sweater vest. And Although I, I actually read an article um, myself <laughs> recently that that Look is a you thing guys that, like diving deep in all the fashion reads on the net. I like that. I, mean, I, I can but tell. This, 
this article proposed or, you know, there was evidence that um, you know, even younger than millennials are now dressing as grandfathers as it's as a chosen style. So maybe Gettleman, to Greg's point, is on the cutting edge of various things. I love how grandfathers dress. I can't wait. It's it's a great look. My grandfather, God rest his soul, Baba, um, uh, used to wear a hat. And actually, it's one thing that I I kept after he passed away that just said, this is my retirement outfit. It was just like a hat that had that text and then like a golf pin in a hole or something. It was just like, all right, that's that's some that's grandfather fashion. Like yeah, that's my, what he's about. My grandfather would wear a suit on Saturdays to sit down and read the newspaper and not not leave. I mean, these type of men simply do not exist in our society right now. I think that's clear. <laughs> Those are opposite sides of the spectrum. Um, all right, that's what's happening. In the news. All right. It's been a while. We love our fans. Oh, the fans. The listeners. We never gave the listeners, like some shows give their listeners a a name. We don't really have that. Maybe that's something to think about down the line. Uh, but if we're this deep into the show, maybe that's just not going to ever be mm. a thing. Well, it's because our name around the NFL is kind of generic. Maybe we need to change that to get the listeners, you know. Well, we don't get to decide to change the name of our own show. We get told by shadowy league figures as around the league we used to be. Now we're around the NFL, just waiting for our next marching order at some point. Uh, remarkable power that we're harnessing here. We, we can't even decide what the title of our show is. We don't know what our listeners are called. Directionless. Uh, three three kind of <laughs> sad guys talking football. No. <laughs> Uh, let's get into it. I hope you guys bring your A game because the listeners always sharp. Let's start right here with Paul Holland, who asks, do you see the Steelers trying to move up in the draft for a QB? Big Ben is nearing the end and the other QBs on the roster probably aren't the long-term answer. And, um, good question. I thought about this one, did a little bit of, uh, research. So there's that Jerry Jones, uh, the famous draft pick trading chart, uh, the draft chip, draft pick value chart, it's known as. And the Steelers are picking 24th right now. Tough spot for if you're looking for a quarterback. That's worth 740 points, according to the uh, Jimmy Johnson scale. Um, if they wanted to get up in the draft and go after somebody, if they gave up their second pick, that's worth fifty. That's worth three hundred and fifty points, fifty fifth overall. That gets them to ten ninety, which would put them around fourteen fifteen in the draft. The problem is, boys, I don't know. Even if they made an aggressive play uh, to move up the draft board, if there's going to be someone there sitting for them, uh, is it is it crazy that Mac Jones or Trey Lance or Justin Fields could be there in the middle of the first round? Not crazy, but probably not likely. Sitting where they are now, it would probably be someone that surprised people, I think. I would just say this. I don't know if the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart applies as directly this time around. You just look at that Niners trade, again, up to Miami with Miami. I mean, what they gave up, that's going to be expensive. I mean, you're not going to suddenly live in a different world cost-wise. And I think Kevin Colbert has traded up or down in 20 drafts maybe four times. So I don't know if that's their culture either. I, I just don't know if this is the year that will happen with considering where they're sitting. No, Kevin Colbert values those picks is always about value that it's, it's hard to imagine. I think it's one of the reasons they brought 
Roethlisberger back is what where they're drafting. Even think back to the Roethlisberger draft, where, by the way, it was Kevin Colbert making the pick, and they didn't move up to go get Ben Roethlisberger. They sat there and patiently waited and hoped uh, that one of those big three quarterbacks really was going to be Rivers or Roethlisberger fell to them, and it did, and it worked out perfectly. So I, I can't imagine it. I mean, yes. Behind Ben Roethlisberger right now, Mason Rudolph, Josh Dobbs, Dwayne Haskins. That, and with, with what we saw last year with Big Ben, it is certainly possible he falls off the cliff entirely. That is within the range of outcomes. Here with the Steelers, I would be really surprised if they don't have somebody in the building um, early draft pick style. I, I think they like, do they like Mason Rudolph. He was a pretty early draft pick. He was a second-round draft They've got pick. a lot of quarterbacks, too. So They've got Dwayne gonna, Haskins, you know. who was a first-round draft. I'm just saying that you might not like Mason Rudolph, Dan, but they like Mason Rudolph. Mm, we'll see. I guess I guess we'll stay tuned until uh, about 10 days from now. We'll see where they stand on that. Up next, Brendan Kennelly asks, with the draft coming up and a few teams in high spots that could potentially be open to giving away their spot, what team is most likely to, A, trade away their spot, and, B, who is most likely to trade up Ooh. into a new higher spot? Uh, I... I, we just talked about the Steelers. I could definitely see them making a play if they if a quarterback starts falling. Greg, do you see another team in that uh, realm? I, I think the Falcons, instead of making like a big statement in terms of drafting their quarterback of the future fourth, like Thomas Dimitrov did with Matt Ryan, I actually could see them going the other way. We're using that number four pick to pick up a ton of picks, kind of like the Dolphins did, still have a draft pick in the top 10 or 11 and start their rebuilding process that way. I don't know who trades up there, but, you know, in a, in a fun world, it would be my New England Patriots. Well, yeah, I would see New England as a team that, you know, is going to want to move up if they have to, you know, heat seek a quarterback to go somewhere else than Cam Newton. You know, I think the Panthers, after swinging and missing, um, not really getting their first choice as a quarterback. And you, know, you got Sam Darnold, who I think you want to take a look at. Maybe they go from number eight and say, let's, if we can get value and someone really wants to get into number eight, we'll go down. I mean, it just I think at some point it would have gone the other way. They would have traded up. That's what they tried to do. And I don't think the Falcons are going to want to trade with the Panthers to give Carolina their franchise quarterback inside the same division. I mean, they're also a little bit hamstrung financially at quarterback, the Panthers, because they're going to have to pay Teddy Bridgewater, wherever he ends up, you're going to have to, you were hearing that they're picking up the Sam Darnold option. So you have a lot. Are you going to bring in a, a, a high priced or a high drafted rookie quarterback on top of all that? That just seems like a lot. They need a left tackle though. And they are in the perfect catbird seat to take the top left tackler, at least number two. Uh, this from Paul Silva. You think 2020 rookie QBs will take a step back in 2021. Now that there will be fans in the stands. Okay. Um, Here's my thought on that. And when we talk about rookie QBs of 2020, Joe Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Jalen Hurts, those are the kind of four guys. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows when if they'll like freak out. I'm sure all these guys played in front of big crowds their whole careers. Um, so I don't think so. But at the same time, it is kind of an interesting uh, experiment, uh, sociological experiment, if you will, the whole 2020 season. I guess it will be different for these guys that all of a sudden they're playing at this level in front of 70,000 screaming fans, hypothetically. I think it's a, it is a beguiling question. I mean, I like the question because it makes me have to think about that. But if anything, I think last year would have been the step away from the norm. I mean, these guys aren't from the wilderness. They've been playing in front of like big cheering crowds for a decade plus as football players. So it's not that atypical. And 
if anything, I think it maybe energizes certain players and certain athletes. Well, Herbert's in a unique spot, though. Chargers fans, you got to start filling up that stadium. We haven't seen what this stadium's going to be with, with the Chargers, but he might feel like he's playing 16 road games. That's what the last uh, Chargers quarterback, Phillip Rivers, felt like. So that could be a, an additional trouble. I'm worried about Herbert. I, I I got a lot on Herbert right now. I just want him to be it's a little the too guy. much. I want I want him to be the next guy. I'm not not loving the coordinator. Now this this question has me a little freaked out. <laughs> it is it is interesting. We we kind of hit pause because of COVID on all the Chargers melodrama about are they going to really truly find a home in the LA market? And now they have this giant stadium, and how are they going to fill it up? And is it going to become road games where Justin Herbert's calling timeout on offense because he can't get he can't get his signals in and all that? Like all that stuff was on the back burner when the stadiums were empty. It's all going to be back on the front burner, hopefully. Um, in 2021. All right. This from the broadcast podcast. I, you know, Ricky always finding a way to plug your own brand. Uh, these all suck. Uh, I guess the questions you're referring to what eight teams would you choose to break away from the NFL to create Mm. their own super league dash broads for life. Now (laughs) I, I only have a vague level of knowledge on this, Greg, and maybe you could fill in the dots, but there was major drama over on the other side of the pond around uh, their version of football. Uh, So why don't you set the table and then we'll figure it out. Well, I I think most sports fans probably know the story of the Super League already collapsing, where basically the the richest, biggest soccer teams from all over the globe, different leagues, tried to break away and form their own league, and the fans revolted, and it didn't happen. For this question, it would be like, can't you imagine some owners doing this at some point. It's like, we got to get more money. We got to get more money. And so (laughs) I'm, I'm thinking more about who, who has the most dough and who would, who has the biggest brands. And so I'm starting with the Patriots, the Cowboys, you know, Jerry Jones and Kraft are leading the way. That's one, two. I think you got to get the Packers in there. It just feels like what's a football league without the Packers. Uh, I'm putting the Steelers in well, there. Well, the NFL would be asking the same thing, by the way. It's like, wait, you, you're, <laughs> right, the Packers right. well, are leaving? Breaking, yeah, and yeah, the Cowboys? They're, they're breaking <laughs> apart. Uh, the NFL's not happy. The Steelers, you got to put in there with the tradition. And Mark's not going to be happy about this. But I'm putting the Ravens in there, too. Uh, the Browns forget about the Browns. But I like having <laughs> a little bit of a rivalry. The Ravens-Steelers thing, bring that to the new league. They're okay. well run. Uh, the Chiefs, you got to bring Mahomes to the new league, so, they, so they're it. coming. And then finally, you got you need another West Coast team. The Seahawks make sense to me. I like bringing their fan base into this league and the Raiders. Um, so really, we're just ripping the guts out of the NFL. Your move, Goodell. Can I can I just say that um, on Roger Goodell's network, I, by the way, go ahead. Armand. I know that you're thinking I probably like listed the Browns and a bunch of teams the Browns could beat in this Super League, but <laughs> you know the, the questions coming from the from Erica and the Broads like. That, you know, this is about money. Okay, so I basically have the exact same list as Greg, really? save for the Seahawks I replaced with the Niners just because I'm a little bit older than you guys. And like I grew up with those Niners dynasties, and I think that that's my West Coast team. And I have the Saints. I don't know who that replaces from your list, but I have the Saints in there as well. So um, very similar, Greg, because I think this is about making the cash. Hmm. Let's get this. Um, I'll work off Greg's list as the master, and then I'm I'm with you. So you're putting the Saints in, Mark. Um, Did you take I'm with the you Raiders that. out? Is that who you took out? Oh, the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders and the Seahawks were replaced with the Saints and the Niners. Okay, I'm. I agree. Uh, the Raiders have to be in the league. I think they have to be there. 
Um, but I, I this anti-New York bias, I get it. The Giants are boring and the Jets are a mess, but we got to have a New York team in there. It's a Tiffany franchise. You got to have the Giants involved in the mix okay. for me. So I got, I'm going to get rid of, I'll get rid of the Ravens personally. Sorry. All right. Baltimore, they just like to be told they're pretty and, and nice. And it's like, oh, you're the greatest organization. I just thought, and let's Lamar too. I'm just trying to give him a little pat on the back. Well, there's a, I like that Steelers Ravens rivalry to kick off. This super league is going to need a lot of help. Uh, you know, you don't, these are, I mean, please, they're not going to need any help. This is going to be like TV and ratings through the roof. And the NFL is going to be left by the side of the highway in this scenario. So. Probably. All right. So there you go. Moving on this from Emma Boucher. Who's the top contender for the team of ATL this year? And why is it the lions? Okay. <laughs> we haven't had things, one in two years, by the way, a couple of things to unpack here. First of all, um, our great man, great friend, Chris Wessling, we, we took, and it, it kind of annoyed him, which was always fun. I, I used to call it the team of West TL because we could never get anything rubber, rubber stamped uh, unless Wes was behind the team. Um, so with Wes not here with us, I don't know, maybe team of ATL, team of West TL, that's, that's something in, in the history of this podcast. But there is a, a second part of this as well, which is the only time the team of ATN really worked was when it was organic and we all gravitated toward a team that we liked and maybe just maybe, and I think Wes would like this too. If we felt that way naturally about a team this season, uh, then there will be a team of ATN. The one thing I know it will not be is the Detroit Lions. It's tough though. Cause we're like both a, we're in the AFC East. There's too many like competing rivalries between the three of us, but I know the one that unfortunately has the hooks back in, which is, you know, my pick almost every other year, which is the Chargers. I, I was so mad about Phillip Rivers. I forsake them for about ten, yeah, seven games last year. But now with Herbert, like, that's the one I'm going to get overly excited about again. I, I could be drawn towards the Niners. Um, the Chargers are one for me, too. But look at, I, like, if you've listened to this show, I spent last August trying to tell you guys how the Lions were going to be spicy and relevant <laughs> and, you know, fun to watch. And, I, you know, I actually spent more time watching them trying to make that be the case, and I was punished for it visually. So if you think I'm going back <laughs> down that road two years in a row, I've mean, got to learn some lessons when we cover this sport, I hope. Okay. Up next, Brock Wright asks, Super Bowl Sunday is now the day before Valentine's Day. Remember, it's a 17-game schedule now. Everything gets pushed back a week. Uh, do the heroes foresee that that causing marital strife on any level? Now, I could tell you this. I don't know Brock from a hole in the wall but I bet he's a younger guy because he is under the impression that Valentine's day has any meaning to married people. It doesn't exist. If it <laughs> happens to fall on a Friday or Saturday and that happens to fall on a night where you have a babysitter uh, and you go out for the night, Hey, you're, you're out on Valentine's day, but there is no such thing as Valentine's day for grownups. It's over. Friday's very, very important and impactful when you're a teenager through college, oh, your college girlfriend was nuts about Valentine's Day. In your 20s, absolutely. They, they use it as benchmarks about how seriously they should take you, depending on your performance. Uh, but that all fades away eventually. I don't see it as a big issue overall. I, I don't either. I, I find the holiday to be like an ultra sham on multiple levels. <laughs> and and if, I, if I were to suggest that the ups and downs one goes through um, in a marriage relationship hinges entirely on Valentine's Day. I mean, you, you don't want to do nothing. You don't want to be hyper apathetic about it, but um, you mm. got to address it. You're kind of, you're stuck doing it, but uh, I mean, to me, it is. We don't, I don't do nothing. I, I'm you not. Could do well, nothing. I'm, I'm not. I don't do nothing. I don't think that's that's from my. I I did try that once, and I did not find that to be a very successful 
um, approach, but I don't do much either. And it, I think as time goes on, you do less and less, and um, it's a concoction. I don't. Deal, Every relationship's different, though. Every relationship's different. Not one size fits all. That said, I totally agree with everything Dan said. In, in my relationship, I somehow found someone less sentimental than me. So she did. She does <laughs> That's not. That's remarkable. <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, Super Bowl Sunday falling on Valentine's Day itself. That's a problem for you twenty-somethings out there. And good luck to you. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to worry about it. Um, all right, Mark. Up next, this one from uh, War Warner. Warwerner. Let's work on that handle. This one is mainly for Mark Sessler. What actor would be chosen to play each podcast hero, including Erica Tamposi? All right. So I, you know, I knew I knew this question was coming. So I did a lot of research, by the way. And um, I, I'm going to start with Dan because Dan, you know, when you're going to cast this film, let's just be real. Dan has to be a home run um, mm. choice. Who is essentially the main right, character? Right, because then the real Dan is just going to be upset. That's the only. That's the main thing why it's got to. That's go. also gonna, a factor. He's going to be offended by almost anyone you. you come that up is with. a factor, but you can't get some. You can't get some super unknown risk. Got to be ham. It's got to be ham. That basically. It is not him. It is not him. I'm not going with him. I am going with a, an actor who I think has leading man vibes. It's true. John Ham is a little older now, so maybe he doesn't quite sync up with the old Zeuser. Is, is he older than you? You know, I also uh, never like I, I appreciate your your hamness, but I don't is. see that Plus as the casting choice. There's the other he's part the, of this. He's now a decade that, older than you. Now that that the new old blue eyes is really taken off, uh, more and more people are plugged in on the baby blues and ham, unless you put in the context. Anyway, I'm going to stay out of the way here. Uh, John Ham could have been a great choice, but I'd like to see what you have, Mark. I'm not sure that it's taken off the way that others would use that um, descriptor, but I'm going Josh Brolin. And I want you to take a look at this photo okay. here. Okay. All right, number one, great hair, um, has alpha male leadership qualities. I recently just watched No Country for Old Men for like the eighth time, and he is sensational in it. And you know what? He is a true actor. I mean, the son of an actor. He was in Goonies way back when. This guy has a long career. Mm. You can trust him to deliver a powerful performance. And I think he has also secret, more comedic chops that would lend to some of what Dan offers to the podcast. Great hair. Uh, I'm. I have no problem with Josh Brolin portraying me in a film. Thank 50, you. Fifty-three years right. old. So yeah, fits in with like. Oh wow. Well, well so Greg, he's, I, young, he's know, younger than you this, think. Part of this. I'm just saying, like he's a fact. Yeah. He's fifty-three. We're gonna okay. CGI him a little bit. You know? Exactly. He played Thanos. They can CGI him all they want. Um. All right. I'm gonna go Greg next, Maybe? and Greg is um going to get someone that I've know people have noted um online multiple times that Greg looks like this person, Adam Brody. Yeah. First of all, yeah. the look is very close. Um, but, you know, he's got the acting chops from Gilmore Girls, from the OC. And I read this, <laughs> that he was described, Adam Brody, by the Los Angeles Times as TV's sexiest geek and by Time as having, in quotes, <laughs> redefined the screen persona of unapologetic nerdiness. So you've got the personality. Ding, ding. You've got the traits. Um, what do you think, Greg? I mean, I like that he married... Um summer from the show in real life right didn't he or i think bilson I, maybe yeah she wanna, uh, i don't know love it's, it's I didn't track so that, I'm, but... I'm all for it I, i'll take it i'll take all the adam brody um comments as a compliment the problem is i only get those like on twitter that's never happening in real life so i'm not yeah. sure i'm buying this as the other good not, thing the know. other good thing for you mark is you try yeah. to get this project off the ground i don't know if you're eping it or what but adam brody definitely available very available ready to go right now 
Um, Erica, Ricky Hollywood. Uh, there are a lot of ways you could go here, but I went with an actress who um, I loved in the show Party Down, Lizzie Kaplan. Let's take a look. Um, she's versatile. I think she can bring the requisite sassiness to the role. And, uh, you know, I've, I've also went through, you know, photo at galleries for each of these actresses and actors. And um, she can look versatilely different in different roles and stuff. So I, I don't know how Ricky feels about that, but it is a compliment coming from me. She's a good actress. Erica feels nothing about it, so we will move on. Um, I... Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Erica, are you on our show or what? Get, get in yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here. I just wasn't sure if you were going to, you know, keep rifling them through. No, I think it's a good pick. I think it, it works. Okay. Uh, by the sound... way, this one is the first one I take issue with a little bit. I, I love Lizzie Kaplan, great actor. Um, I think it's a right, right church, wrong pew situation here. I think yeah. Linda Cardinelli, uh, Freaks and Ooh, Geeks. Ooh, I like that and uh, many other projects um, would be very good. This may have been a case where I was, you know, the podcast was starting soon, having to kind of get the act little, together with some of these choices. Stand, I love Cardinelli, too. Once saw her, um, you know, at a sandwich shop in the middle of doing jury duty. Uh, she is at least a decade and a half older than Oh, Ricky yeah, she was so born that's... in 1975, and I was born in 92. <laughs> right, so... I was looking for someone in the age. She needs hey, to listen, be younger than Did you than see the, the Irishman? Characters. You can age people down. No problem now. Um, uh, Mark, I, we had discussed uh, before the show, you wanted me to handle your casting, which I understand. Well, I, I have an option first, though, that I think that, you know, I think would just, sometimes it's easy just to pull these things off, and I think I've gone with a selection that the audience would see an organic connection with Erica. If you want to bring up the person to play Mark, it would just be, it would be Brad Pitt because I think there's just a lot of connective tissue there. Um, visually, uh, sort of energy wise. Right. Right. Well, now that the comedic uh, portion of the segment is, uh, clear, uh, let's, let's move to more, uh, natural ter terrain. Okay. And I leaned on my wife, my wife, uh, Emily, who works professionally in the casting industry, and asked her, who would you cast to play Mark? So here's here's uh, three choices. I asked for three options. Uh, one, Ed Norton. Okay, and this is what Emily wrote to me because uh, we only communicate via text. <laughs> Smart guy who is internal and cerebral in his performances, threads and intensity into every character he plays. Number two, you know, where's, where's the photos for this, Ricky? Number two, <laughs> Aaron Paul. A sensitive, nuanced actor who tells everything through his eyes. Very soulful and sensitive and someone an audience roots for, but he can turn on a dime if you push him enough. God damn, that's right. That's pretty yeah. good. I think that's, that's the good. winner. And the final choice, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, is probably the weirdest idea, uh, but when Mark is in his 50s uh, and we're knocking on the door, he's the guy. He's an actor who possesses quiet ferocity, which he delivers in every performance. Could be could be referred to as a quote quiet storm. Uh, I think Emily has done an absolutely excellent job, and you know Emily and I we connected on casting once because I essentially discovered Felicity Jones um, long before society did, and, and Emily recognized uh, that talent within. So I certainly recognized hers, and I think Mendelssohn um, is one of my favorite actors. So. Thank you. I mm. think it's a knockout job there. I'll take any one of those three. It, or it maybe maybe all three would play me during different stages of the film. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. It's a big, uh, it's 
It's a big expense to pay, play Mark Sessler. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of payment. Now we're um, starting to actually see what this movie is about, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Emily you know, did a great job, but I think she missed kind of like the obvious choice. Uh, Greg German of uh, Ally McBeal. <laughs> Everyone, someone is looking actually, for German or whatever. You know who I get before, so. all the time. Who do you get? Is, I get, well, when everyone saw the movie Juno, when she was like pregnant and 16, everyone's like, you look so much like Ellen Page. Elliot, Elliot oh. Page. Oh, right. There's been a, a shift in that right. realm. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if like, I totally agree with that. Thanks for the cleanup there, Ricky. Yeah. Um, speaking of knockouts, when are Greg and DJ going to have a boxing match for charity? You know, I like this one. I mean, I would definitely not box uh, DJ. In what way? I would be, uh, I would be in trouble there. I'm giving up a lot of reach. I would, I would go, take my chances in some other athletic endeavors, but boxing would be troubling. I remember. Is, it, um, is this where you circle back and tell us that you played tennis competitively? No, I'm just saying, uh, like, give me a sport that uh, that we can compete at. I, I think boxing. I'm how not about basketball? Upper upper body strength. I mean that the height is definitely a problem there uh, with basketball. But I could I could try maybe get a two on two going here. I don't like your chances in the ring. I I'm again right. being older than you. I as a kid with a bunch of dads and kids, we piled into this one um, friend's house, like twenty five of us, to watch Tyson Spinks. And I remember the, the host <laughs> father um, was put had put like microwave popcorn into the microwave and the, the fight was 91 seconds and the popcorn wasn't even popped by the time it was over and everyone's back in their houses two hours later i see this fight going in similar fashion i mean no DJ's i would be like i would be like floyd mayweather and just dancing around the ring and then the crowd would start booing and i would like turn around to them because they're not getting their money it was just like bring it on and i i just wouldn't let them touch me you get a chair over the head by some the of that the checks out um uh, and finally this from chance zapeda are we getting a Mark Sessler mock draft this year? Sure. I started about 20 minutes before that designated episode next week and roll it out once the episode starts. He likes to pretend he doesn't put much into it, but he's, right. it puts he's like already started. He knew that, you know, he's been working on it. Well, I well, could also just take MJDs and just say it's mine. Like no one would know. So the thing about the <laughs> Sessler <laughs> mock draft is absolutely true. <laughs> is that it's definitely set up. It's set up for, Mark in a way that if he gets everything wrong, oh, well, I don't care anyway. If he gets a few right, it's like, hey, look at me. You know, I'm the seer. I'm Mark Sessler. Like I you nailed this... six, I think, last year or something like that. It was quite remarkable. What, what is a good off. grade in these mock drafts? And they all say it. That I don't care about my mock draft, but they all care. Like what, what constitutes success with a mock draft? I would lo- love to know a number. If the, Jimmy, if the Jimmy Johnson draft chart is something that people take seriously, why isn't there something that represents a grading curve on these draft mock drafts, which are everywhere, unavoidable? There seems to be no accountability because I would say if you're, if you're someone that's spending like six months putting these together and you don't get 10 out of 32, like – well, I don't know. Like, well, some years good... are impossible. Like, it all depends on the year. Ten some out of years... thirty-two. <laughs> some, well, no some one does. No one does. Some... But like, you're, right. you had a, like you last did a great year was impossible. Five. But there's some years where actually it goes pretty chalky. Uh, I think there's less information right now because of COVID and the opt-ins and opt-outs. That we'll see. That's what we said going into last year's draft. And for the most part, people missed where guys were going. But the first round was somewhat predictable. I, there's some years where it's like impossible to get anyone. No one has any idea, which is nice. Yeah. And that's typically how these things, you know, when a trade happens, everything gets shaken up. Yeah. I don't know. 
But uh, we we will have a Sessler mock draft coming. That's good. Speaking Daily of, shows next week. Yeah, speaking of uh, draft week, Mike's uh, Mark's mock draft will be part of our five days of podcast uh, starting Monday. Uh, so we'll have shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday night after round one, we'll jump on immediately. And I, I will have, I believe, if the draft goes chalk in the first two picks, I will have my Zach Wilson Chipotle burrito, which mm. doesn't have to be trend-setting. It doesn't have to be some type of transcendent, uh, game-changing item. It just has to be tasty. Exactly. And, I, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, so we'll break down all of the, we, uh, the round one picks as we do every year, and then we'll be back Saturday night. It's the only Saturday night show we do all year, um, thank God, uh, where we'll recap the rest of the uh, draft. That's right after the seventh round concludes with Mr. Irrelevant. I can't believe Mr. Irrelevant hasn't gotten whacked yet by the PC police. That's got to go, right? That's going to be gone very soon. If I mean, it's not you wrote that done. article probably six, seven years in a row. It was sort of a, an anchoring right. franchise for you on the I don't, site. I don't, th- I don't think that offends anyone, though. You know, they do like a oh, parade. Know, they do man. a parade. They, I don't know. You know, man. they give it. This guy gets a little <laughs> extra pop than. Then I, uh, I get a feeling that well it will be renamed. All right, I'll make a prediction with you. I'll make it a sandwich prop, long range. In the next five years, it won't be called that anymore. It will be something that's very much softer and celebratory of the player. It's like last uh, but not least, right? Because this is going to be deemed as it doesn't truly um, celebrate the man for what he achieved to get to. Okay, that's gonna happen. By the way, I would Book just it. say someone who's like way more irrelevant is the person picked just before last who doesn't have a nickname or a title, doesn't get a parade, doesn't have an article written about him. That's the person mm-hmm. no one ever has heard of. It, that's, it's simply not irrelevant. They, they're making you relevant. They're forcing it upon us. Mm. I want uh, gogetmylunch.org. You know, you got to put that this long term one. I don't know if we've ever had a five-year timeline. <laughs> Let's put another one. I'm putting a sandwich on, like, will there be a show in five years? Oh, will what's your, what are you putting? We still, well, I don't know, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'll say, you know, let's be optimistic. There, Greg just put himself in a corner a there. I'd I'm just saying, yeah. We Greg will, currently we negotiating will, with DraftKings. We will have a show in five years. Let's put that up, too. I'm just saying it's a lot of, a lot of faith. Um, what kind of sandwich wager is, will our show exist in five years? What, what is wrong with you? I'm... Gotta, I'm I'm putting it on it. It's up to you to to take me up if you disagree. So you're saying that I'm saying there will, will not be a show. I know. I'm saying there will be a show. Oh, oh. so and it's like one of those. So things I can, where like... if nothing else, so I can collect this sandwich that they haven't changed Mister Irrelevant because that's not <laughs> happening. It's not happening. If the show ends and you think I'm going to be giving you sandwiches, um, you know, for free two years later or something like that, you're you don't know. You don't right? even know. You don't even know. I know. I know. I'm not going to be giving you anything. So. <laughs> I'm right. sure of it. Everybody settle down. All right. Good stuff. Good show. Uh, we have our network program. Uh, we are going dark draft week um, uh, next week. So this is our last network show for a couple of weeks. Uh, so ma- make sure uh, you tune in tomorrow, Friday uh, on NFL Network, the Around the NFL broadcast. Please DVR it. Give it a shot. Back at noon, like noon Pacific this week. And you can noon figure Pacific, out what that is in the Eastern. other time zones. Pacific is the best. That's let's make that the what everyone says. That's my new movement. Right, listed PT slash ET from here on out. It's always been reversed. It's a, so you it's need a it needs to be something catchy to stick. And I think you nailed it, Greg. With Pacific is the best. <laughs> uh, all right, that's it. This is Dan Hansen signing off for 
Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, behind the virtual glass. They're gonna age Cardinelli down, Ricky. Way down, okay? Get ready. Until Monday, heat the call! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.